So, uh, good morning to everyone. Uh, it's wonderful to see you today at um, church. Um, if you haven't yet greeted the person next to you, just greet them um, and tell them they look wonderful and it's great to see them in, in church today. Amen. Amen. So, um, I was just, as we were worshiping, I was just looking at the baby there. And uh, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was thinking how cool it is to be a baby. You just chilled, somebody's feeding you. And uh, <laughs> you, you don't have, there's not much effort. All you do is just, um, uh, I don't know if it's a she or he, but uh, just chill and uh, just folded hands and just um, as you get spoon-fed. It's, it's really cool. Uh, children are, are such a blessing. They are such wonderful um, blessings from God. Uh, as I, I couldn't help but think of, uh, as I prepared the today's um, uh, share, I couldn't help but think of how how you can how much we can learn from children. Um, my my children like uh, or used to like playing a, a game called pretend, and uh, that game I guess was inspired by um, or Mickey Mouse Clubhouse and uh, Dora the Explorer and Barney. I, 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 I just re- remember this the, on Monday I walked into a colleague's office and, and he was singing a Barney song to show you how powerful those people are. And I remember those days I would, I would find myself, insta- instead of singing a, a worship song, I'll be singing, I love you. You, you know, uh, the, that's very powerful. But children can teach us a whole lot that we, um, that we as adults normally forget. And, and um, uh, today I'm just going to borrow something from the Mickey Mouse uh, Clubhouse to help us with where we are going. Because I'm going to speak uh, about, uh, uh, I'm going to touch on certain things that will be quite difficult to understand. It will be quite difficult for some people uh, to grasp some, some, some of your theology will need to change change uh, or will change after uh, I, I present what I need to present today. Um, in the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, there's something called a muscadour. How many people know what a muscadour is? Um, and all the parents raise their hands. A muscadour is a, a contraption where when you, when, you, when you come to a challenge, you, um, you, 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 uh, the, you, you, you go to the muscadour and it, it, it uh, pops out four solutions for you. Four solutions are, uh, pop out uh, uh, from the masker duo. And those four solutions are to help you um, uh, through, the, through the, the, the challenge that you, you, are, you are currently facing. You can only use the tool only once. So we are going to have our own masker duo today. And I will, I, I will ask you to, to help me give uh, the answers. If you're at the back, shout the answer. If you are in the front, shout the answer. I really need your help today as we go along. Because this thing, um, it really changed the way I, I, I view Christianity and my relationship with God. It's very important for you and I to understand what I'm going to talk about. So we are going to play a game of pretend. Pretend you were a doctor, and you're driving down the road, Cecil Avenue, and all of a sudden, a pedestrian collapsed. And you stopped your car, you jumped out of your car, run into the pedestrian, you kneel down, uh, and, you, and you check the vitals of that, that, that uh, pedestrian, and you realize he's dead. He or she is dead. You go rush back to the car. You take your medical bag, and you, you rush back to the, to the pedestrian who is on the ground. And... Taking out what's in the bag, a muscadour pops out. 
In the Musket Duo, there are the following tools that you need to use. Number one, you need to use a nail, a hammer, an injection, and behind there's a question mark, which is just simply says there's something behind the question mark which you can use in case all these do not work. Which one would you use? Yeah, he's dead. Anyone? Anyone else? Anyone else? Question mark? Anyone else? The syringe. Um, the syringe. The syringe. Okay. The doctor, the syringe is right. If you, your answer was a hammer, I'll, I'll really be concerned. It's either, it's either this person, as you knelt down, you realize this person, uh-oh, I owe this person money, and I really need to make sure this guy is dead. So I'll, I'll really be concerned. Please see me after the service, and I'll pray for you. But the syringe... Um, there's a reason why I chose the syringe, and um, Heather might not know the reason why she chose the syringe. But this person has died, just died of a certain, remember we're playing pretend, he has died of a certain virus. And as you take the syringe as a doctor, you take the syringe, you put it into this individual, and the, the syringe, we are pretending, courses its way through his, the, the body. I know he's dead, there is no blood flow, but it finds its way through the body, and it kills the virus. That's in this person. It kills him. If behind the question mark was life, and we gave this person life, the same virus would kill him, and we wouldn't be able to give him life. The gospel answers these very two things. It answers a disease or a, a virus that coursed its way through our body. The gospel is the gospel of salvation. There is a virus called sin that found its way in all our bodies, in all of us, without us realizing it. The Bible talks about how, how Jesus Christ died for our sin, but this virus, uh, without uh, us knowing, was hereditary. It was within us before we even knew it, and it caused something called death. It was paternal. It was passed from, from one generation to another and through a man called Adam. Sin was a problem. And God could not give us life. And yet we were still in sin. That's why God took the man Adam out of the Garden of Eden so that he could not take off life. So that God would cure that disease and that virus called sin. I like what Romans, Ro, um, Ro, um, sorry, I like what uh, uh, it, 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 it says in, in Romans 5. Can we just quickly turn to uh, Romans 5? Romans 5 verse 12. It says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We are in Colossians, but I'm building up to get to Colossians. We all had sin from a man called Adam. None of us had to sin to become sinners. No one here had to sin. You were born with a nature called sin. 
And that sin came into every person. Just like everyone here in this room has got the doctors tell us, since you are pretend doctors and you know this very well, the doctors tell us that everyone here has got the flu virus. But the flu virus only becomes evident when it meets a certain environment and then it manifests itself, either in sneezing, in coughing, or runny nose. Sin only, we only know that you are a sinner when all of a sudden you are met with a, uh, you met in an, an environment and either gossiping comes out, lying comes out, stealing comes out, but sin is still sin. It doesn't, there are no levels of sin. There is a nature that was in all, all of us, and God had to deal with that nature. And the problem in the beginning was not sin, really. As you can see there, it says, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, death through sin. The problem was death. God did not go to Adam and say to Adam, in the day that you eat of the, the, the fruit, uh, the, the tree of good and evil, sin can be good and, or, or evil. He did not say, the day you eat of the tree of good and evil, you shall surely sin in that day. He said, you shall surely die. And the reason why God said you shall surely die was because death is a separation between God and man. Man can no longer talk to, to God and can no longer have a relationship with God. Man cannot have a with God anymore. He is no longer in fellowship with God. In the garden, when God came to Adam, looking for Adam, he said, Adam, where are you? I don't know how many people have read that story. He asked him, where are you? The reason why he asked Adam where he was is because the there was a network failure at the, at, the, at the point that Adam ate the, 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 the fruit and uh, sinned and death came onto earth. God could no longer communicate, could, could no longer talk to a dead being or a being that was in the process of dying because God is alive. And God cannot have fellowship with what's dead. So God had to ask, where are you? Just as sometimes you can put two cell phones together in the, in the same room or on a table. And the Econet network would just not go through. It would just say the network you have dialed is unavailable. The number you have dialed is unavailable. Adam's number was unavailable. And man, the response that man had was a simple response. He would now hide from God. He was no longer in connection with God. But Jesus Christ came on the cross and he died for you and I. And he took that syringe like our pretend doctor. And he died for our sins and took away what's called sin nature. So that the wrath of God and the scourge of, of sin would never come upon us. It was all, it all came upon Jesus Christ. Therefore, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one sin that can now separate you from God and, and, and the Father. And that sin is unbelief in Jesus Christ because Jesus did everything for you and I. Colossians 2, verse 12 to 14. Colossians 2, verse 12 to 14. It says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it 
to the cross. Today, we're going to see from just that scripture, three verses. We're going to see a debt, death, and a deficit. We're going to see three things, a death, debt, death, and a deficit. That's what we're going to see from this scripture. And I will try and expound just from, from these three verses. God, just like our pretend doctor, could not leave us in the tomb dead and uh, uh, um, having, having, been healed by sin, having been healed of all sin, God could not just leave us uh, alone in the tomb and, and make sure that uh, we are now right with God because the work of the cross was adequate. It was enough for you and I to, to be reconciled to God. The Bible says in Romans 5 verse 9, it says, Where, whilst, we were, whilst you and I were still enemies, of God. Jesus died for your sin and my sin and we, we, became, we became reconciled to God. We became reconciled. Remember, sin brings uh, or death brings uh, uh, a broken relationship between you and I, and we can no longer have fellowship with God. But God, Jesus Christ, died on the cross for you and I, and he brought a reconciliation together with God. But us being reconciled did not mean that we could fellowship with God. We were reconciled, but we could not fellowship with God if we had remained dead in the, in the tomb. It says, much more, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus is the one that saves us. It's the life of Jesus that gives us life. I like what Romans um, uh, 4 verse 24 to 25 says. It says, but for, uh, for Romans 4 verse uh, 24 to 25, if you can just turn there, Romans 4 verse 24 to 25. It says, um, but for ours also, it, was, it will be counted to us who believe. So it's talking about a, a man called um, uh, Abraham. Ab at that time, his name was Abram. Uh, it's talking about a man called Abram, and um, God had counted him as righteous. The story goes that Abraham was in his tent, and God called him out of his tent because there was no Zessa in his tent, and God felt sorry for him and called him out of his tent and said, Abraham, come out, and I'll show you. And look at the stars. Look at the sand. Uh, your, your, your offspring is going to be, uh, if you can number the stars and the sand, uh, your offspring is going to be this number. And before Abraham, Abraham got to number one, he believed God. He did not count. He just believed God. And when he believed God, God counted it to him as righteousness. So there, from just that story, we realize that righteousness is by believing. And it's not by works. It's not by any work that you and I do. It's just by believing. So it continues. It says, it will be counted to us who believe. There's the word. Believe in him. Who's that? Who's him? God. Who raised, him from, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. Next one. Who was delivered up. For our trespasses. Everyone say, delivered up for our trespasses. And raised for our justification. Everybody say, raised for our justification. And they, from that scripture, we see a separation. We see that Jesus was delivered for our trespasses. He was delivered for my iniquities, for my sins, for your sins, your iniquities, for your transgression. Jesus was delivered up for that. But the raising up of Jesus Christ was for justification. Two weeks ago, Yanku spoke about justification. If you are not here two weeks ago, and for those who have a short memory, I'll, re I'll just quickly remind you what justification is. Justification is a legal term. 
which, which implies Jesus Christ uh, was the propitiation for our sin and he died for our sin. He paid the debt that was against us and he acquitted us from the debt before us, before God. He acquitted us. There is no debt owed to God that we owe anymore if we are in Christ Jesus because Jesus paid it for all for us. If you owe somebody or some organization some money and you pay them off, and you, you paid off the, the, the debt, you would receive, you would get something called a proof of payment. And that proof of payment is called a receipt. Ladies and gentlemen, the, res, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a receipt that God was approving the work of the cross. The resurrection, let me say it again, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was God approving that you were satisfied with what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But God was more than satisfied that he put on the receipt a stamp of approval, that he, was totally, he totally approved what Jesus had done. In, uh, in Ab um, when Abraham, when the Bible, the Bible says when Abraham uh, we, uh, became righteous, he got, he got circumcised as a seal of his circumcision to show that he was righteous. God gave us a seal called the Holy Spirit that, so that it shows that you and I are, are, are born again and you and I are approved before God. That God is not angry with us and he's not frustrated with you and I. God is not angry with us and frustrated with you and I. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, the word of God says that if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, your faith is of no use. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, dead your faith is of no use and you are still in your sins. Therefore, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was very important. Just as much as the, the work of the cross was very important, the resurrection of Jesus was so, so important for you and I. In Ephesians 1 verse 13, Ephesians 1 verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You and I got sealed by the promised Holy Spirit. Therefore, when we get born again, we receive the Holy Spirit, which is a sign and a guarantee that God is happy with us and He's satisfied with us because God cannot be in the same place with something that's dead. You are now alive when you receive Jesus Christ. You are now in fellowship and in koinonia with, with our Lord Jesus Christ. So going back to our pretend game. This individual is still dead. He's healed, like you and I have been healed. The sin nature has been taken away by God. The, if, if I had to take a, a surgical, spiritual surgical blade and cut you up right now, I would see a new regenerate heart pumping in you, meaning that God has raised you up by the Holy Spirit. You are not dead. Your heart is not cold and still and dead, but now God has brought you back to life so that you can have fellowship. Going, so going back to our, our pretend game, this person is still dead. And uh, I'll, I'll ask for the, the image to come up. This person is still dead. Which of these would you use to bring this person back to life? Sorry? 
the question mark is given. The question mark. You would use the question mark. And behind the question mark is this device. Does anyone know what this device is? Sorry? <laughs> no, she's my wife. I heard, <laughs> but uh, to be honest, I heard Paul first before you. But okay, okay, then between, amongst the three of you, what's a defibrillator used for? <laughs> so, Amanda, okay. Yes, Amanda. But um, I'll, 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 give you, I'll give you the simple explanation what a defibrillator is. A defibrillator is used for life-threatening cardiac dysrhythmia, specifically ventricular fibrillation and non-perusing ventricular uh, tachycardia. I thought we were all pretending to be doctors. I really thought we were all doctors here. But as Amanda, Amanda said, it is, it is, it's, a, it's a, a device that, that gives an electric charge, a dose of an electric charge uh, to the heart when the heart has gone to a rest or, or it's just flatlined or you are practically you're dead, okay? So it's called a countershock. The electric charge is called a countershock. So let's go back to the gospel. What Jesus Christ did for you and I is that he, he uh, what God did is that when Jesus was, on the, or was in the tomb, he came with a counter shock of the Holy Spirit with power. He raised Jesus Christ from, from the dead so that you and I can be raised to life and we can be in life with Jesus Christ. Amen. So that you and I can be in life with God and we, we can have a relationship with God. In Romans uh, 8 verse 11, it says the following. Romans 8 verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. God will also give you life so that you can not only just live, but you can be alive. You can have a life. And that life is to be lived. You can be alive to God. It's to be lived to, toward God and, and, uh, in, and in relationship with God. Therefore, you and I are alive to God. In Romans 8 verse 11, the Message Bible. The Message Bible says, It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he will do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. If the present and alive God, you know in life you can be alive and not present, be disconnected. Like how you and I lived lives before we met Jesus Christ, we were alive, but we were not present. We were not present to to, or sensitive to what God was doing around us and in uh, around us and through people, we were not sensitive to what God was doing. But you and I are now alive to God, alive to God so in in worship, in reading the Word, alive to God in everything that we do. We are now alive to God, and being alive to God, the Bible says, the Spirit within us cries, "Abba, Father." It, it, it testifies that you and I are children of God. It testifies that God has risen us and he, we, are, we are now with Christ in the Spirit. 
We are not separate from God. We are, we are, we are not uh, cut off from, from the inheritance that God has through Jesus Christ. But we are alive. Everything that we used to do, every, every attempt we used to uh, uh, try to get closer to God was only dead works. And God could not accept it because it was done from an, a, 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 a heart that had not been regenerated and a sinful heart. It was done from a human being that was dead. And God could not accept dead works. But you and I have come through Jesus Christ, have been, uh, uh, have been grafted into life. And now you and I can have life and have life in Jesus in, in, uh, uh, before God. In Romans 6 verse 10, it says the following. Romans 6 verse 10. It says, for death, he died for, he, he died. He died for our sins once and for all. And for life, he lived toward God, towards God, talking about Jesus Christ. For death, he died. He died for our sins once and for all. For life, he lives toward God. Therefore, consider yourself alive, uh, I mean, dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourself. Let this be your mindset that I am now dead. I used to be alive in sin, but now I'm dead to sin. I used to be dead to God, but now I'm alive to God. Let your mindset change and uh, the way you consider yourself, let, it, let, let, let your mindset be focused and, and, and agree with how God views you, that you are now dead to sin and now alive, alive to what God is doing in you. Therefore, you and I respond to, 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 the, to, the, to the leadings of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is alive in us. We are alive and we are not dead. Amen. Anything that's alive, produces fruit. You and I are alive to righteousness. If you, if you see anything that, that does not produce fruit, it's dead. We assume it's dead. But anything that produces fruit is alive. And you and I are called to, to produce fruit. There's a church in, in, uh, in Revelation called, uh, church, uh, uh, in, uh, called Sardis. And God, Jesus Christ says, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. And you and I have been called to have life, but also to produce fruit. Jesus Christ called the Sadducees and the Pharisees, you whitewashed tombs with dead men's, with dead men's uh, bones in them. Man, that guy, yes. Whitewashed tombs. You, they seem to be alive. They seem to be all dressed up, all looking churchy, but they are dead. They don't, their, their hearts have not been regenerated by, by the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to a tree, and he, uh, looking for, for, for fruit, he found there was no fruit on that tree. Therefore, he cursed it because he assumed that he would find fruit from that tree. If we had to think about it in our day and age, it's you seeming alive as a Christian, but always living like the world. God does not like that because there is something that he is doing, he has done in you. 
In Romans, uh, in Romans 6, it says the following. It says, uh, just as Christ was raised from the dead, we get back to that word, raised, the resurrection. Just as Christ was raised uh, by, by the glory of the Father, the Holy Spirit, just as Christ was raised by the glory of the Father, so that you and my I might walk in the newness of life. There is a newness of life that you and I need to walk in. And that newness of life can only be worked out we can only work it out and be, in, re, be uh, in response to what God is already doing. In Philippians 2, the Word of God says, Work out your salvation with tre- fear and trembling. Most people think working out your, own, working out your salvation is working out your, your own salvation, manufacturing your own salvation, and not realizing that the only salvation that's available is Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. Therefore, that scripture can only mean one thing, working out out what's already in you and i work out what's already in with fear and trembling why fear and trembling not because god is going to strike you down and kill you but because god just wants always is looking for things that are alive and bear fruit if you are alive and don't bear fruit just like the church in sardis he says quickly repent or else i'm coming with fear and trembling but it continues and says for it is God who's working in. For it is God who's working in both to, to will and to do for his good pleasure. God has worked in salvation. Therefore, you need to work out salvation. You need to produce the fruits that, are, that, 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 that show that you are saved and that you are a child of God. Therefore, you and I, the only thing that, that stops uh, God from, from, work, uh, from, from manifesting, just like Kilton said uh, two weeks, uh, uh, last week, the, uh, from Jesus' uh, Jesus's preeminence showing in our lives, is that, or is that the effervescent uh, spirit of God and the bubbling spirit of God is being clogged up and cocked up by your life. And your, your, you are the barrier from God showing up in your life. In these days, they call it throwing shade. You are throwing shade on God's preeminence. I said we're going to see a a debt. We're going to see a debt. And we're going to see a deficit. The Bible says that the sting of death is sin. The catalyst of death, the, the thing that brought death into all the world was sin. But the strength of sin is, is the law. The strength of sin is the law. And most people who are very religious will not like where I'm going to now. The gospel is apart from the law. The gospel is apart from the law. What that means in Romans 3 verse 21, it says, Now the righteousness of God has been made manifest to us apart from the law. You and I don't need to work to become righteous before God. You and I just need to do what Abraham did and just believe what God did on the cross for you and I. It is apart from the law. There is no work of the law that brings us closer to God. The reason why we do the works of the law is because we are, in respond, we are responding to what Jesus Christ has already done in us. The Bible says, if you love, you have fulfilled the law. 
So we are just responding in love. The Spirit is called the Spirit of love, the Spirit of grace. So you and I, all we need to do is respond from inside and not respond from outside. That's the work that you and I have been called to do. So going back to our pretend game. Back to our pretend game. This guy is still dead. And he's just been brought to life by a defibrillator. But as he rises from the ground, some papers fall out off. And you as a doctor pick up those papers and you see that all those papers, bunch of papers, are all medical bills. Because this person has gone from doctor to doctor trying to get healed, but had been failing to get healed. So they went from this doctor to that doctor to that doctor, and they piled up medical bills. And there are also letters from messages of court to say they're going to attach his property. What does the doctor do? Let's go to the image. What does the doctor do? Sorry? The nail. What does the doctor do? The hammer. What does the doctor do? Sorry? The nail. All of you are correct. And there are no sweets. <laughs> there are no more sweets. The Bible says in... The Bible says in... Um, in Colossians 2 verse 14. Canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. God took the medical bills, the law, and everything that was set against you, that had strength that the devil could use as a tool to condemn you and bring death to you, and he nailed it to the cross. The Bible talks about the law as the ministry of death and condemnation. There was nothing wrong with the law. The law was good. The law is spiritual. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the law. But when the flesh and the law meet together, the sin finds an occasion. And then sin has, then the law, sin finds strength through the law. And then you are condemned through the law. That's why the Bible says, therefore, there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Because from the law came condemnation. And you and I, whenever we went before God, we always felt condemned because we did not do things right. But now the only thing that, can, that is a right and is perfect is the blood of Jesus Christ. And we are, can approach the, the throne room of God, the throne room of grace with confidence because of what Jesus Christ did. Not in confidence in what we have done. God took the law. The Bible says Jesus is the end of the law for righteousness sake. He is the end. I know most people will say, but Jesus said he did not come to, 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 to end the law. He never came to end it, but he came to fulfill it. And he died on the cross. Therefore, what do we do with the law? We esteem it for what it is. We esteem, that, we esteem it in, 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 and we regard it that I will never meet up to those standards. But the only standard that I and you can meet up to is just believing in what Jesus Christ has done for you and I. If you're here today, having talked about life, 
and you're feeling like, man, I want to give up. I want to give up in uh, this Christian thing does not work. I know, Clive, you just spoke about life and, and uh, I've been beaten up by, the, by, the, by this economy, by Zimbabwe. I'm just, things just not, where is this God? Where is this God that I'm always praying to, I'm, I'm reading about, you have spoken about life. I'm here to tell you that God, God wants to bring life. He wants to bring life in, into whether it's your business, whether it's your spiritual life whether it's just your life. He wants you to have life. And the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has come to give us life to the fullest, life abundantly, life that's effervescent and life that bubbles up and whirls up and, and affects other people. Do not be like a man called Elijah. Elijah saw a, a, a juniper tree. A juniper tree... This is my assumption. I, I, I would have to read about it, but I assume it does not bring any fruit. It seems alive, but it does not bring any fruit. And he found a juniper tree, and he sat under the juniper tree and said, Lord, take my life. I give up. I, I, I've tried everything. I've tried, Lord, to pray, and, but this economy still hits me. I've tried, Lord, God, God to, to read your word, but you're not coming through for me. I've tried everything, but in that instant, God came and fed, just as a baby, fed Elijah. And Elijah went to sleep, and God came again. The angel came and fed Elijah and said, the journey is long where you're going. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not know what, where the situation in this country will finish or what will be the end of it. But God is saying to you, us right now, eat of my word. The journey is long. Be in my presence. The journey is long. Because I believe that in a couple, and I, I'm, 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 I, I really, really believe this. And it's not me saying I have faith for it. It's because of what I have heard. Is that God in a couple of, of whether it's days or week, God is going to, is going to show himself in, in this place. In your life, it's gonna, his glory will, will be shown and manifested to each and every person. And you will know that, you will know, you will not, you will, you will not give up. You don't quit. This is not the time to quit. God said to a man called Ezekiel, can these bones live? Right now as we look around the nation, you're asking yourself, can this situation live? Nothing good can ever come from this situation that I am in. Can they live? Don't let your answer be no. Let your answer be only you know God. So, Father, we give you thanks and praise. We thank you, Father God, just as you raised Jesus Christ from the dead. The same life that raised, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, Father God, lives within us. And as it lives within us, Father God, we give you thanks and praise that the same life will be manifested in our city, in our community, in every place that we, we work, we trade our foot on, Father God, so that the resurrection power and the life of Jesus Christ may be seen and manifested to all and to all that believe and do not believe. Father God, let your glory be shown and shine forth in everything that we do. Let your life, Father God, be seen in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.